Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Buenos tardes, mi amigo. Hola, my good friend. Cinco de mayo on Tuesday and I hoped we'd see each other again Buenos tardes indeed Oh shit! Drop my guitar <clears throat> Let's try that one more time Buenos tardes indeed everyone It is Mikey Likes You the greatest health and fitness podcast in the world Verified says me. It's much like uh, Howard Stern, and make no mistake, I'm not talking shit. I am. I worship at the altar of Howard. I, uh, I'm a radio guy. That's what I do. He's the greatest. No ifs, ands, or buts. But I worship at the altar of Howard, but he has called himself the king of all media. He gave himself that title. It's hard to argue with it, but he gave it to him. Michael Jackson is the king of pop. No one said that. He said that. But again, especially for about six years in the 80s, pretty hard to argue. I created the title greatest health and fitness podcast in the world. Uh, Just don't hear anybody arguing. Okay. I'll be very clear. I gave myself that title, but no one's coming to take it. You get me? Before we get in to all that I have to talk about today... I like to call today's episode Bits and Pieces, Odds and Ends. I want to talk to you about some very, very important things. Uh, Most importantly, bet online. Yeah, football's over. We know that. Tom Brady took his trophy, played with it in a pool, got hammered. But just because there's no football, we still got NBA, we got college basketball, we got NHL, and a whole bunch of other stuff to bet on. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun at Bet Online. They got hundreds of props, real time odds, almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24 hour online casino, it never closes. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive your 50 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lucy, this is a sponsor I'm so excited about. I got involved with the people behind Lucy well before there was even a podcast called Mikey Likes You. The reason I got behind it, because I'm such a big believer in nicotine. Anybody who's ever listened to this podcast, anybody who's ever heard me on other shows, anybody who knows me personally knows that I'm not kidding when I am constantly out there, an evangelist, if you will, an evangelist, if you will, for the benefits of nicotine and how misunderstood this drug is, okay? No cigarettes, no vape, no dip, no. Nicotine in its purest form, and this is what you get with Lucy nicotine gum and lozenges. It's the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple. You don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down, baby. Mikey like you Mikey <clears throat> excuse me. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to Lucy.co and use the promo code Mikey M-I-K-E-Y. Get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. And be sure to use the promo code Mikey. Yes, uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Nicotine is addictive, but so is caffeine. Okay? And uh, it doesn't mean that it's not useful, and it doesn't mean that it's not beautiful. 
I would put both of those drugs, caffeine and nicotine, at the top of the heap. As far as upside to potential side effects, nicotine, when it's erased from tobacco products, like smoking, like vaping, like chewing, nicotine is amazing. It gives you cognitive boosts. It, it helps in fat loss. It definitely regulates appetite. And it is just an overall awesome drug if it's used responsibly and if you understand how to take it. And the best way to take it, I mean this, is Lucy. They make fantastic... Coco, quiet down. Harry, quiet down. They make fantastic products. The lozenges and the gums, they're not filled with a lot of artificial nonsense. They just give you four milligrams of beautiful tasting nicotine, and it's really useful and functional. I love it. I love the stuff. And I'm not just saying that because they pay me. I really, really mean it. I truly, honestly, go look it up. But I'm always working on how I say things, and I might not have it right. How the... Answer your question? Alexa, I didn't talk to you. Thanks for your feedback. What the... Big Brother's always watching and listening. I can't say her name out loud. You know who I'm talking about. If it's A-L-E-X-A or S-I-R-I, they creep me out, dude. They're definitely helpful. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I don't want them in my life. But it creeps me out. All right. So, like I said, I'm talking about odds and ends, bits and pieces. What I mean by that is since I've had the uh, Patreon up, from the beginning of this year. It is now February 20th as I record this. So it's about, oh, six weeks of having my Patreon at Mike Catherwood there on Patreon. Just go to Patreon, check it out. Uh, I do believe I offer a lot and it's worth your money. I do also completely appreciate your support. I, I don't overlook and I don't take for granted how amazing it is that people out of the blue just decide to give me their money just to support this podcast. Uh, I love it. I appreciate it. I love you guys. I do care about your well-being. I do care about your journey in wellness. I can only do so much with this podcast. Okay. There's some, oh, someone's delivering Amazon. My dogs are going to go crazy. My dogs are going to go crazy. No, Gloria, Harry, quiet. It's just, dude, 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 Harry, get off, please. Okay. It's just a delivery man. I know you're protecting me, dude. I get it. Gloria, get off, please. Thank you. All right. Sorry. Amazon delivery. My dogs think they're protecting me. Um, so it, I with the with the Patreon, I've got an extended ability to interact with people. Uh, definitely at the top tier, where I'm working personally with people, and I've noticed a lot of trends on people misunderstanding some things, people being confused on certain issues. So what I want to do is focus on those issues. Harold, Harry, get off, dude. I might have to start this podcast over just because of you. Yes, come here, come here, come here, come sit with me. Um, so what I've been able to do is, is really identify and distill down a lot of the misunderstanding that goes on when it comes to training and nutrition, um, when it comes to habit forming, and then also just like how to treat yourself better, how to be a little bit more of a positive narrator to your own story which goes a long way when it comes to finding happiness. So first and foremost, I want to start with overcomplicating things. And that just doesn't go for fitness and training and nutrition. I mean the, about life. With this never-ending inundation of info coming your way, via social media, via traditional media, having a high-powered computer in your pocket at all times, we are hit with a non-stop barrage of information. And I don't personally believe that we were designed to do that. 
you got to kind of filter out the stuff going on in your brain because your brain being the king of all beasts, a homo sapien, your high functioning brain is already loud enough and it does you tremendous service to really be able to just jettison a lot of the unnecessary nonsense to minimize what you focus on and what you're thinking about. Um, a really, really high-level kickboxer, American kickboxer by the name of Joe Schilling. I'm a huge fan of him as an athlete. He's made the transition into MMA in Bellator, and he's done very well. Um, he came on Loveline, I'm going to say six years ago, and I got a chance to talk to him on the air and off the air. And being such a, a combat sports geek boy, I was definitely very interested in his life. He was an incredibly personable, likable guy, which was counterintuitive because he is an incredibly aggressive, dominant fighter. And on top of that, he looks really intimidating. He's a really tough-looking dude. But he's very, very nice, very talk, very personable, easy to talk to. And he was talking to me about working with a sports psychologist and that one of the things that this sports psychologist told him that really, really resonated was that you got to imagine your, your brain like your uh, smartphone. And what happens when you have far too many apps open in your smartphone? Your battery is drained disproportionately. So what do you have to do? You have to constantly go through and slide down and get rid of all the unnecessary apps, all the apps that you're not actively using in order to maximize your battery power. Well, the same thing goes for your, your brain and your psyche. If you are constantly overwhelming yourself with a lot of unnecessary things. You have to get rid of that and just focus on what's important and what's really vital for your survival on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not telling you not to plan for the future. I'm not telling you not to have anxiety about things that may be coming around the corner. I understand, look, you're human and you want to have a good, happy life. A little bit of that's going to be natural. What I am saying is that I've done it I still struggle with it sometimes now, and I'm sure you do the same thing, where you have 11 things on your mind, and if you're really, really honest with yourself, not many of them are all that important moment to moment. Scroll, you go, go up on that app area so that you get all the different apps that you have active and just swipe them down. Use the one that you're using get rid of all the rest. And that really does apply to everything in life, but at least what I have some comfort commenting on is that when it comes to training and nutrition, you really got to do that and it will help you. Maximize your time in the gym or, or wherever you do your training Make sure you're not doing all these nonsensical exercises. Have a battery of really core, solid exercises. Work them as hard as you can within a safe parameter and consistently get better. Have a workout log. Always use it. Don't get lazy on that. I wrote to... Uh, clients on the Discord, that your workout log is just as important as any barbell, dumbbell, treadmill, or piece of exercise equipment. And I mean that. Mindlessly getting sweaty is not training. That's exercise. That gets you nowhere. Training is scalable. It's calculatable. Calculable, whatever the word may be. And it's progressive.
you have to know how hard you're working, how hard you need to work to get better, and be able to reflect on past workouts and prepare for future ones. The only way to possibly do that is to detail exactly what you're doing. Training and nutrition need to be monitored and you have to have a relationship with them. What I mean by that is you can't just put food in your mouth. That's not nutrition. That's eating. You have to know what you're putting in your mouth, how that makes you feel, exactly how much you're doing, how Different amounts of different substances make you feel how you react to them, what type of progress you get from them, what type of progress you don't get from them. The same thing goes with your training. You should know how much weight you're using for how many reps, how that feels, what a slight percentage increase would be when you get to the point where you can do it comfortably. You, everyone goes through the process of believing that they can eyeball their food and keep track in their mind of what they're eating and how much they're eating. Everyone goes through the process of believing that they can remember how much they trained and how, how many reps and how much weight and how far you went on the rower or how many miles you ran at what time. You can't. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Keep track. Keep very good track, detailed analysis of what you're doing so that you know how you can improve. Not only does this give you the ability to see where you're at and subsequently improve, which is absolutely crucial. It's one of the most imperative things you can do if you want to make any type of progress. But it also lets you know, shit, I don't have it today. Why? Why am I rowing? 15 seconds slower on average for 500 meters. Why am I lift deadlifting? Why does why is my max 550 but I 400 feels like a million pounds right now? Well, you go you go, god uh what's going on this oh my gosh, I started my new job. Yeah, my wife yelled at me. Uh I didn't sleep last night and then you can you can recognize you can recognize what's going on. Then it's a calculated foot off the pedal as opposed to just saying, I, I'm, I'm so tired, I'm frustrated, I'm not going to train today. No, you can take, you could say, look, obviously things are going on outside of my training that are factoring into what I'm doing here in the gym. I need to take a couple days off. That keeps you in close relationship with what you're doing. That keeps you aligned with progressing, with getting better as opposed to just going willy-nilly. Okay, so that is number one factor that I've recognized in people who really genuinely want to make improvements, that have goals, that have uh, desire to improve. But that's one very, very, very commonly overlooked factor is don't just burn calories, and put food in your mouth. Develop a, a calculated, understood, fully aware, fully enlightened relationship with what you're doing. And that almost always boils down to track your food, track your, track your training, logbooks and, and tra- uh, tracking apps. When I'm get, when I'm getting into specifically training, this is the number one thing that's overcomplicated and shouldn't be. It's totally understandable to overcomplicate your nutrition. Most people don't have any real idea of how to eat right, and I get that. I am not trying to pretend like I have a thorough understanding of human metabolism, which is a immensely, immensely complicated process. 
thousands and thousands of cellular reactions and chemical reactions that go on with just eating one morsel of food. But I do know more than 99.9% of the people on the planet and 99.9% of the people that have ever lived. And I know enough to know what I don't know. So many people, especially on the fucking internet, don't know enough to even know what they don't know. And they make claims and they say shit that is just so untrue. And I feel really bad for you, the receiver, the consumer of this information, because you're like, well, this, this guy, this gal said it. I mean, I really need to be worrying about my insulin. So I'm going to eat this and then I don't have to worry about eating this. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to eat um, a ribeye steak instead of a banana because I don't want to jack up my insulin. But yeah, OK, but you just had 850 calories as opposed to the 75 in the apple or the banana. And now you're in Foxville. So overcomplicating the nutrition, I get. Training, don't overcomplicate this. Lift weights or engage in resistance training if you're using bands or body weight. Do it. Do it as hard as you can for a very minimal amount of time to encourage a stimulus. Get that stimulus. Rest your body. And then come back next time and do it a little bit better, whether that be one more rep, whether that be 5% more weight, whatever it is. Progressive overload. Wise, regimented, progressive overload. Consistently. You do not have to train a lot. You have to train, train less and train better. Almost all. Not all, almost all of your woes can be corrected by your nutrition. Don't overcomplicate the training because it doesn't need to be. Now, nutrition, it's easy to overcomplicate. Training, just do it. Just show up, just do it consistently. Don't try to make up for you, the pizza that you ate last night at midnight for the 10 slices of cake, you you went overboard. Don't try to overdo it the next day with your training. You can't out-train a bad diet. If there's a take-home message, it's that you can't out-train a bad diet. You absolutely can under-train and have a stellar diet and achieve non-stop, never-ending results. Especially as we age. Um, this is, this is just true. This is, <laughs> this is not really, if we're going to be objective and, and get into a debate, there is a little bit of margin of, of, of some air of some debate when it comes to volume. There's some schools of thought that it's, Hey, f- eight sets of five compared to you know, 10 sets of four versus two to three sets of extreme exhaustion. But when it all boils down to it, it's really about the same type of volume slash intensity that comes out to having the most benefit. When we're talking about natural, normal people, not athletes, not people on steroids. And when really looked at, Over and over again, the conclusive science shows that lower volume with higher intensity is superior when it comes to prolonged overall gains, whether it be fat loss, whether it be muscle gain. And it's absolutely, absolutely true when it comes to muscle preservation during times of dieting, which is what we almost all are after. Very, very limited amounts of people aren't concerned about losing body fat and maximizing muscle mass. Most people are concerned with that. There, Look, there's the handful of people listening that I, they just need to put on weight. And you're out there. 
Um, and I get that. This doesn't necessarily apply to you. If you're talking about gaining the maximum amount of muscle mass, not necessarily about body composition, then higher volume can be very beneficial. If you're that dude or that chick who's 6'1", 140, and no matter what you do, you can't, you can't put on weight and you need to, I, I, I agree that you need to, you kind of throw this information out the door. If you're pretty much everybody else, myself included, and you want to remove body fat and maximize the amount of muscle on your frame, lower volume, higher intensity is far superior beyond a shadow of a doubt. As you get better, as you get more um, astute at your ability to train, that volume can start to fluctuate. But for the majority of people, a minimum effective dosage is so much more superior. And it's really hard to get through the heads of a lot of guy, young guys because they just want to lift weights all day every day. They want to be like Arnold. And I go, this, listen, you're going you're gonna to spin your wheels. You're going to go year after year looking the same if not worse wasting all that effort. It's really hard to get through women's skulls when it comes to weight loss overall. They just want to do 900 hours of cardio, occasionally do some booty and abs, and they think that things are going to change. And that the reality is, is that's not how you got you to gotta unplug from the world, go in and go hard for probably less amount of time than you think. But you got to go hard and you got to go smart and then allow your recovery and your nutrition to do the rest. Now, when it comes to overcomplicating nutrition, let me give you some a, a handful of things to keep in mind to help you not overcomplicate it. One, I believe in intuitive eating. But you got to earn that. What I mean by that is I love people getting to the point where they can Eyeball the amount of food, rely on their natural feelings of hunger, and eat things that they like to eat and just do it in a, in a very comfortable way. But you got to get there first. You got to earn that. You got to, if you're sitting there listening to this and you want to make a change, you want to have that body that you've always dreamed of, and you just don't know how to get there, listen, you got to start tracking your calories and your macros. You have to. You have to start getting a sense of how much you're eating and what you're eating and how that affects your body. And it starts today. If you really want to make the change, the one missing factor that separates the haves from the have-nots is tracking. Because whether you are a seasoned athlete, whether you are a competitive Ironman, whether or not you have ever exercised in your life and you are super overweight and you're listening and you're like, I don't know how I can do this. Almost all of us grossly underestimate how much we're eating and grossly overlook how poor our diet is. Get a sense of what you're eating. Get a food scale. Get a tracking app. I prefer MyFitnessPal, but there's a lot out there. It's so much easier now than it's ever been with these apps. Back in the day when I did bodybuilding, this is my – I used to walk uh, uphill in the snow both ways. To uh, you, Everyone's parents always told them that bullshit. It was so much harder back in my day. This is mine, okay? When I started in bodybuilding in probably 2002 – there was no smartphone apps. I had to carry around a goddamn book with calories and protein and carbs in it and a little teeny notepad and write down everything I, I, I ate and, and do calculations with my L.A. public school education. By the way, like a D student in L.A. public schools and try to do the math and, and keep, keep track that way. It was a pisser, it sucked ass, but I did it. And magically, all the effort I'd been putting in from the time I was 15 years old to the time I was 19 years old, all the energy that I wasted, all the times when I was like, man, I train harder than all these guys and 
they look good and I don't. What's going on? It all it all went away. in like six weeks. I was like, huh, oh, this is result. Oh my god. And girls started to notice me and blah 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 blah. All the fun stuff happened. And then I started using steroids, and then it's different. Okay. Never mind that part of the story. What I'm saying is track your track your eating. Get an understanding of what you're eating. That will help simplify things. Because then you don't have to sit and think about like, well, what am I eating? Is this, is this really good for me or is this not good for me? You're like, oh, this has 600 calories and 60 grams of protein. This has 200 calories and 40 grams of protein. Okay. I, I think I'll choose this one because I only have uh, 1,100 calories to work with or whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? You start to get a relationship with the food, and then you are empowered. You're in control of it, not vice versa. Second thing, don't let anybody tell you that calories don't matter. They do. They absolutely do. That's science. That's not really open for debate, and if people want to debate it, they're wrong. I will say this very few times. There is so, I, I like to say that there's no such thing as always and never, and for the most part, that's true. If you want to not lift weights, you want to just do body weight stuff, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm open to hearing anything. I am not dogmatic. I am not an ideologue. But one thing that gets under my goat so much is that there's so many fuckers out there that like to do like, well, if you just get control of your blood sugar and then it doesn't, you can eat 5,000 calories as a 140 pound woman and everything. No, you can't. No, you can't. You want to lose weight, you want to lose body fat, you got to be in a caloric deficit. You want to gain muscle mass, you got to be in a caloric uh, surplus. The end. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is basic human biology. Take that shit to the bank. How you get there is up to you, and that is definitely not something that I at all feel is worthy of drawing a line in the sand. If you are vegan, be vegan. If you like keto, fucking do keto. If you like paleo, do paleo. If you want carnivore, I'm, I'm open to it. Get your calories, get your protein to a certain level. That's it. Everything else is really just details. For 99% of the population. Now, then you'll get into a position that I'm in right now, which for 15 years, 16 years, that was all that mattered. And it really was. And I was perfectly healthy and perfectly fine. And I made progress and people complimented me on my physique and complimented me on my performance. And that was great. Now I'm going to be 42 in a couple weeks. And I want to go from nine-ish percent body fat lower. Now I got to worry about more shit. I have to worry about nutrient timing. I have to worry about uh, making the decision on what types of protein. I can still establish a protein level. I can still establish calories. Now I got to really start balancing on whether or not eggs whole. I can pull whole eggs out of my diet because of digestion rates and different types of amino acid blends when it comes to collagen versus dairy versus meat, muscle meat. I got to get into the weeds a little bit, but I had to work really hard to even get into the position of concerning myself with that shit. If you're 15, 12, 15% body fat and you're just an average person, if you're a woman and you're 20% body fat plus, um, you don't have to worry about any of that. Just get your protein, get your calories, get your calories where they need to be, get your protein up. You do that day in and day out, you will be happy, okay? So that's the most I can simplify nutrition. Next thing, I need you to understand that training and eating should make your life better. Not take away from it. What do I mean by that? Well, lifting weights, training, doing your thing in the proper way should make you sleep better, feel better, look better, 
have better control of your eating, not vice versa, not make you tired and angry, not make you sleep less, not make you more of a sourpuss. Proper training should make you a feel and look better. If you are constantly sore and can't do little hobbies and play with your kids, that is not okay. That is okay if you're getting a paycheck. If your livelihood is training, if your livelihood is your body, whether it be performance or just the looks of it, if you're a fitness model and you get paid to be in a fucking bikini, I don't really have any problem with you not having a period and uh, sleeping three hours a day because you're sweating too much to fall asleep and your carbs are so low that you can't get yourself to wind down. Maybe even looking into pharmaceuticals to get to regulate your cortisol, all that shit. If you're a professional fighter, I don't really have much problem with you living your life as an angry mess because you're training two times a day and you're eating 800 calories to make weight and your body's achy because some dude leg kicked you and then uh, cranked your neck. That's that's your life. That's your existence. But for all of us, myself included, where your body isn't your paycheck, it's not your livelihood. No. No. Eat to be nourished and feel great. Figure out ways to consistently eat foods that you like eating. To stay in your caloric zone and to get your protein high and then find the foods that you like. Don't force feed yourself shit so you can be angry all the time. Your training should make you feel invigorated. So that you can live the life you want to live. To help you live your life better. you got to find that balance. If, 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 you're, if you're telling me, hey, I was going to go with my wife and kids to the movies. I guess that doesn't really happen right now during COVID. But let's, okay, use it. Many years ago, I, when I was a personal, like an actual in-person personal trainer, I trained a high school kid and he was super motivated, super motivated. And he was committed and he trained hard as shit and he ate right and all that stuff that most 17 year old kids don't want to do, but he was super motivated. He wanted to be a college football player and he was good enough and he had the thing and we trained and we did it. And then he told me that he was probably not going to go to prom because he wanted to work out and get rest. And I'm like, dude, 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 no. This should be making your life better, not vice versa. You gotta take the day off. Go to prom. Get a fuck, ask a chick out. Get a tux. Enjoy yourself. Go party, man. Eat pizza. Do your thing. Sleep it off Saturday. Maybe we'll come back Sunday. Who knows? But just don't, you can't allow it to become, become so, you're so neurotic about what you're eating and what you're doing and training that it, takes away from your life okay really always look at that um very recently i had a client on the top tier of patreon who is very motivated in brazilian jiu-jitsu and he's like well i'm gonna train this and that and then i was squatting so much that my legs were so sore i could hardly roll and i was like well, well think about what you're saying do you want to have 30 inch thighs or do you want to become a purple belt because if you're training with such volume that you can't maximize your b- ability in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're, you're going too hard. Because you can have your cake and eat it too if you train smart and you train in a way that enhances your life, which in, for him meant becoming better at jiu-jitsu. But if you're overdoing it in one aspect, it's going to take away from others. So just find the balance. That's that's another thing that I've noticed with a lot of people that I've been working with is that y- you get motivated and I and I respect that and I admire that that you get so excited when you see progress you get so motivated that you just want to do more more more. But you got to always pump the brakes when it's taking away from your life because this is not life. This is enhanced life enhancement. Okay?
Next thing, obsession with the scale. Your body weight is a tool. It's a tool to gauge your progress or lack thereof. Do not make hardline decisions about what you think is right or wrong based on an arbitrary number. Many women, a lot of the women that I'm working with personally, have an arbitrary number of what they want to get down to. And they're reluctant to do things that is going to prevent them from losing enough weight to be a size zero or a size two or whatever it is. And that's not your fault. I I think there's a societal aspect to that where you don't feel like you're adequate unless you're a certain body weight. That's not true. In fact, oftentimes an obsession with a certain body weight will prevent you from looking the best that you can. Alternatively, a lot of guys are so obsessive about being big and macho that they completely neglect what would be best for them to look good. I talk to guys that are 40% body fat and they're like, I don't want to get below 200. Below 200? Dude, you need to be like 150. No, I can't. Oh, I don't want to be scrawny. Okay. Do you want to be a fat fuck? Because you're 5'6". And an arbitrary connection to some weight because it makes you feel macho to say it is really, really not that logical if you're going to have man tits. Right? Now, all this goes out the door if you tell me, well, I'm a college offensive lineman. Well, then I go, okay, well, shit, I understand. But not for life. If you're 5'10", and you're telling me I'm not, I'm I'm 260 right now, I want to get down to like 220. And uh, I want to do whatever I can to get there. I go, well, why why stop there? Why don't we get you down to 10% body fat and you have, you know, your abs busting out and veins in your arms and, and your face looks sculpted and people can't believe how you look. As a and and not worry about what the weight. Maybe that is. Maybe that's two twenty. Maybe that's one ninety. I don't know. I'm five ten, one seventy five. Most people, if I tell, if if you look at pictures of me, people, I get so many DMs from people that are like, I just want to look like you. I'm about your height, and I go, okay, that's great. Uh, I, I I'm I'm two twenty now. I'd like to get down to to 205 like i'm like dude 205 i'm one i'm 170 175 when i'm beefy they go how's that pod that's a no no way i go yeah well i'm like eight nine percent body fat that's not realistic i mean we could do it but just plan on the long haul there's a gross gross misunderstanding of relative weight most action stars in Hollywood, they look amazing. Now, of course, there's The Rock, who's who's a huge fucking mountain of a man, and John Cena or whatever. But if you look at Hugh Jackman or uh, the guys in 300, um, I know many of the men, who men and women, who personally trained the guys in the movie 300, the original 300, uh, from Jim Jones out in Utah. I, I have interacted with them. Some of them quite frequently, quite often. Those, you know, Gerard Butler was like 160 pounds. But they look like gods and you assume that they're huge. Same with a lot of female stars. You girls see these girls on camera and you're like, well, she's got to be like 105 pounds, 120 pounds. And no, some of these girls are like 150 pounds, five foot eight, 145, 150 pounds. It's just that they're lean and they're muscular. And muscle weight is so deceiving. 
and male or female, old, young, it doesn't matter. If you can increase your muscular composition, it is going to radically, radically change how you look. And it has very little to do with your body weight. It has, it, it, it's a factor. If I'm 175 and I want to get, I'm getting down to 170, I definitely want to make sure that I'm getting down to 170 and at least maintaining my strength, my relative strength. That's power to rate ratio. That's what you're searching for. If I get down to 170, 169, and I'm getting subsequently noticeably weaker, there's a problem. I'm going to get softer. I'm, I may be lighter. But I don't look better. I don't. I know this. This is this is not open for debate again because this is my life. I've done it. I've seen it. When I was doing Access Hollywood, when I was make, doing I just was so obsessive about leaning, like getting less weight because I would get on camera and I look like a, a Hulk. And I, yeah, at my height, I kind of looked fat, even though I wasn't. So I just started losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. And I was not happy with the pictures I would take of myself shirtless. Now I'm getting to 170 and doing it the right way, the the admittedly the painful way, but doing it the right way, and I, and I I'm, I look better. And so my point is is that you can't make these arbitrary connections to weight. You gotta go with the mirror and how you feel and how you look. You can't just step on the weight. Absolutely, it's a tool. Absolutely, it's something you should you should keep in mind. But it is not paramount, and you certainly can't make decisions on your weight prior to doing the work. All right, next thing, performance versus appearance. There is some Venn diagram carryover to increasing performance and looking better, but they are not at all one and the same. You have to first look at what is performance. Is performance running longer distances? Is performance lifting more weight? Is performance being better at a sport? Or is performance just feeling better when you hang out with your kids? Performance isn't a monolithic thing. Let me give you an example. Many, many men have come into jujitsu academies that I train at that are pretty high-level endurance athletes. They sometimes have completed Ironmans. And they're thin and they look Rangy and, you know, by all accounts, fit. They get on the mat and they gas like their face turns blue. They're so tired so quickly. Because the human body compartmentalizes performance. Energy systems get better and subsequently the other energy systems deteriorate. You can't serve all masters all the time. Many, many professional boxers and kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters do the same thing. They go into a grappling – they get into grappling trying to make it an MMA. And these are high-level fighters that once they change the energy system that they're uh, using, become incredibly fatigued. It's compartmentalization. And it goes the opposite way. Plenty of high-level grapplers, black belts, are like, I'm going to try MMA. They start going into training boxing, hitting mitts and stuff, and they're gassed out of their mind. It's a different energy system. The greatest story of all time when it comes to this stuff, Lance Armstrong retires. The greatest endurance athlete ever. You could safely say that, arguably, it's not even open for debate. He's in the argument. The greatest endurance athlete ever, what he was able to do on a bike, the wattage he was able to put out for unbelievable amounts of time is inhuman. He retires. He starts running. Wants to do marathons and stuff like that. 
He's fucking mediocre. Mediocre. His body became highly tuned at doing this very specific thing and the subsequent energy systems that went into it. It was different when he started running. So, first, performance has to be looked at as a very finite thing, as a very unique and focused idea. It is not this broad idea. Hey, let's take a real quick break for me to tell you about something very special. Something I'm very excited about. A new sponsor for me and Mikey Likes You. What am I talking about? eBay, baby. eBay, the greatest marketplace on earth. And certainly, in my life, the greatest marketplace when it comes to shoes. I made a commitment in 2012. I was going to go one year with only buying products made in the USA for everything in my life. Obviously, that included my clothes. I had a very hard time when it came to sneakers because, let's face it, a lot of the classic sneakers, the stuff I'm into, isn't made in the USA anymore. But a lot of the beautiful classic vintage sneakers of the same brand were. Where did I go? eBay. I'm constantly, constantly getting compliments about my American-made Nike Cortez, my American-made Converse Chuck Taylors. I got them all on eBay. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for you sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over 100 bucks, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. I used it very recently. Um, my wife's birthday is March 26. Hopefully she won't listen to this, but um, I had just an impossibility finding a certain pair of boots that she saw on uh, the show The Flight Attendant with Kaylee Cuoco. By the way, excellent show. I, I highly recommend it. Um, but I couldn't find them. Couldn't find them new. And I went and looked at vintage offerings there on eBay. Boom. They're coming in the mail in her size. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so thank you, eBay. Uh, so Performance needs to be measured in a very accurate way. Performance isn't just this open-ended thing. Secondly, sometimes improvements in performance hinder your ability to look better. What does that mean? Well, here's an example from just this morning. I was doing my rowing intervals. As I've gotten better at them, which is the case for all mammals, I've become more efficient at doing these movements with rowing in particular. I've been really focusing on it. I used to be able to do these 1,000-meter intervals, 600-meter intervals, and I would get smaller amounts of meters in the, in the allotted, or excuse me, the lower, higher times for the uh, allotted meters. So I used to do 500 meters and I do it in a minute and 50 something seconds. That would burn a certain amount of calories, right? On the C2 rower display. So now after months and months of really getting better at it, I've gotten more efficient. Not only my form, but my body, my my lungs and my heart have become more efficient at delivering oxygen and nutrients and things to my muscle cells as I'm performing. This, this efficiency, much like a car, as I'm turning into from a muscle car into a Prius when it comes to rowing, the calorie reading on the readout of the C2 rower is getting higher, but I had my heart rate monitor on and I'm looking at calories burned there it's way lower, almost half. I was doing a thousand meter interval this morning and the C2 rower read out that I burned. Hey, you stop it. 
The C2 rower read out that I burned uh, 180 calories, 200 and something calories. My heart rate monitor read that I barely burned like 80 to 100. So my performance has improved vastly. But because of that, it's now harder for me to burn calories. This is in an, in a nutshell why I warn people against using cardio for weight loss and why I almost always lean people against it. That you should focus on diet and you should focus on your weight resistance training. Those are the those are the staples of making a beautiful physique. Now, as you get leaner, you got to kind of make certain decisions. I kind of have to do these metabolic intervals and do these longer duration. Once a week, I'll do a longer duration training because I frankly can't eat any less and maintain any level of muscle mass. I can, I can certainly lose muscle mass if I wanted to be a competitive endurance athlete, which is what competitive endurance athletes do. You want to get a podium at a bike race or, or a marathon, you can't be fucking beefy. It, it's not... <laughs> It's not going to happen. So, again, performance has to be analyzed. If you're a marathon runner, getting your deadlift over three times your body weight, not serving you well. In fact, taking away from what you want to do. If you want to have a six-pack, lowering your mile time in a 10K actually makes it harder. It actually makes it harder. Fat burning is inefficiency. So, increase your strength in a good rep range, I would like to say anything under five is is too heavy. Um, anything over eight is going to be probably too much, excluding leg training, which I think you need a little higher um, rep range. But five to eight reps, increase your strength in that. Continuously do that and then keep a caloric deficit and be smart about it. Small caloric deficit and do that consistently for a long period of time. That is the key because you're going to maintain your inefficiency when it comes to caloric burning and you're going to be able to increase your ability for protein th- synthesis and maintaining or increasing muscle mass. That's how you get that. Performance, my performance increase in anaerobic intervals actually has made it harder for me to get leaner, okay? And if it wasn't for the fact that, again, I was already super lean, I would never recommend doing what I'm doing for someone who's, say, 20% body fat. It actually would be, you would be spinning your wheels, and that's why a lot of you out there are so bewildered when I say these things. It's like, hey, man, I'm I'm, I'm really overweight. I just want to make a change, and the first thing I tell you is, okay, well, don't, don't do any cardio. Start lifting weights heavier than you think and up your protein and uh, cut your calories. You're like, well, no, but I want to, you know, so I, w- I want to lose a lot of weight. So I'm going to go, uh, go on my bike, you know, for 40 miles. Yet. Again, we can try to work around it, but you're going uphill. You're going uphill. If you want to be skinny fat, if you want to lose weight and not be happy with how you look, by all means, do what you want to do. If you want to complete a marathon, by all means, I will help you as best I can to get there. If you want to do a triathlon, that's – but don't think that by doing that, you're doing what you can to maximize the look, the way that you look in the mirror. If you, I, I'll take any sport. Um, I will use MMA because I think it's the most clear – definition of what I'm talking about and most people aren't as familiar with boxing as they are with MMA. I can't believe I'm saying that, but if you just take the UFC, who are the most renowned um endurance athletes in MMA? Who are the people whose gas tank is just undeniable? I can go down the list. Uh Kane Velasquez in heavyweight, um Clay Guida um, the Diaz brothers. These are people whose gas tank is well known to be higher than other athletes they're competing at. None of them particularly muscular. All of them amazing athletes. I respect every single person I just named. In fact, some of my favorite fighters. 
Fedor Emelianenko, uh, you, being efficient at oxygen delivery does not make you leaner. And of course, there's some carryover because those guys typically, unless you're a heavyweight like Kane or uh, Fedor, you're 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 going to fight in a weight class. So then you have to obviously be cognizant of your weight. So you get to a point where none of those guys look awful by any stretch of the imagination. But my point is, is that when you look at gigantic beefy dudes, um, people who are look like cover models, like uh, uh, what's that Brazilian fucker who looks like he you know, first team, all body. Uh, God damn it. Uh, Israel just beat him up. Oh, son of a bitch. I know so many people are, uh, Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa, perfect physique, perfect male physique. Gas tanks always been a problem. Some of the older fighters in, you know, from a different generation, the Mark Kerr's, the, uh, Mark, the hammer Coleman, these these gigantic muscle bound guys were smashing machines when they would end the fight in the first round. You couldn't deal with someone their size, their muscularity, smashing you to the ground and ending the fight. What happened when a Maurice Smith came along? When someone who figured out a way to prevent that from happening and carry them into deep waters? They gassed out. They could not fight. I can show you video clips of Mark Coleman, Mark Kerr, any of these guys with their hands on their knees going, <sighs> while someone just started picking them apart and beating them up. Okay? So performance doesn't equal necessarily improvements in physique. It has to be coupled with proper nutrition. Even with weight training which is what you need to get that beautiful physique, uh, what you need to do to get a world record in powerlifting is not going to give you a great physique. I can show you. Most powerlifters look like shit. It's amazing what they do. But unless they're concurrently being, being very conscious of their body weight and their muscle uh, their muscle mass and their hypertrophy, like, a, like someone like Steffi Cohen, or you know, there's a handful of people where – on top of trying to maximize their overall strength, they're also either lifting in a weight class that they're trying to stay trim and getting that power to weight ratio, or they're they're training in body fat reduction and hypertrophy phases in the off season. Because just by simply getting stronger, it's not gonna it's not gonna get you there. So these are all things to consider. Plenty of people in CrossFit, plenty of people in CrossFit start to dominate their local box gym and they look like shit. You get better and more efficient at these movements. It doesn't necessarily carry over to metabolic health and it doesn't necessarily carry over to hypertrophy or muscle building. You just get better at these skills. So that's the main difference. When it comes to developing skills or athletics or performance, your training in the gym is practice. It's pra- You're practicing to get better at said skill, whether it be basketball, whether it be grappling, whether it be track and field, whether it be blah, 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 blah. Your time in the gym is practice. If you're trying to look good naked, your time in the gym is game time. You're not trying to practice a skill. You're trying to improve your physique. And your time in the gym is the game. That's a, the big separation. When I'm really working on getting my 2,000 meter down in the row, I'm measuring my heart rate. I'm doing intervals. I'm doing tempo training. I'm doing uh, uh, lactic acid you know, threshold stuff. I'm in the gym rowing as practice. Going Allen Iverson on you. We're talking about practice. Okay? That's practice. When I'm trying to get to 7% body fat, I'm in the gym. That's game time. And I'm measuring, and I'm constantly trying to, to push myself to new height, new heights. I'm not trying to beat my PRs in the row 
every single time I'm in the gym because that would be silly. That doesn't make me any better. I'm trying to practice. I'm trying to build up my endurance, uh, my aerobic base. I'm trying to build up my power endurance, all of that. And that I'm practicing and monitoring it and keeping it at a certain level, practicing my form. Therefore, increasing these markers of performance, but not necessarily increasing my ability to uh, burn calories or maintain or gain muscle mass. What I'm doing is practicing. When I'm going for, dude, it's time to throw caution to the wind. I want to look like a Greek god. Every time I'm in the gym, I'm not practicing. I'm fucking going. And every meal I eat is measured to do so. Okay? So I hope I cleared some things up. I hope this was useful. Uh, If you want more information or if you want me to go deeper into the weeds, please feel free to support me on Patreon. I'm Mike Catherwood on Patreon. Also, always feel free uh, to contact me at Mike Catherwood on Twitter and at Mike Catherwood on Instagram and as well at Mikey Like You. Mikey Likes You 1, the number one on Instagram and Twitter. And I uh, I am deluged with comments and questions, so I, 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 I feel bad, but I might not necessarily get back to you that way. Um, but always feel free. I always try my best to get to all my messages on my social media. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, we do. I do. Be good, people. You live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.